Why don't you uh, sing us a Luton song real quick, just to make sure it sounds good, Dan? Um, I admit I don't know any of the songs. How about this one? When my old man said, be a Watford fan, I said, fuck off, bollocks, you're a cunt, have a banana. Well, hello there, FC Dallas Curious Fan, and welcome to another episode of Third Degree, the podcast. Hi, I'm Peter, and it is back to the normal trio today, myself... And, of course, our favorite Englishman, Dan Crook. Hello, Daniel. Hello, Peter. Welcome back. Thank you for having me. Sorry I missed the debut pod last week. Please forgive me. Yeah, maybe in a few weeks. What place is Luton Town in these days since we last talked? Well, we are in the uh, EFL Championship where we are dead last. Ah, congratulations. Mm. Relegation in your future. And that uh, knowing uh, agreement nod sound in the background is none other than our fearless leader, founder and editor of thirddegree.net, Buzz. Come in, Buzzard. Hello, Peter. Usually I make a joke about where I'm calling in from, but I wanted today to say instead that it's Fernando Clavijo's birthday today that we're recording, so I did not know him really well, but the the times I did talk to him, I found him to be open and honest and a joyful human being, and uh, so... That's a loss that he's uh, no longer around this planet. Anyway, happy birthday, Fernando. Okay, boys, here we are. It has finally been announced, and it is happening. Franco Jara, or is it Hara? Do we know? Well, he's Argentine, so we think it's Hara. Okay, but I don't it's know supposed sure. to be Hara, but the press release said Jara, but Dan Hunt said Hara. So I'm going to guess but Dan it's Hunt says a lot of things, so who knows? Right. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to ask each of you, uh, if you had to describe your reaction to this signing and all of the details we found out about the signing uh, after the fact, what meme would you use to best describe your reaction? Buzz? Um, probably a, a meme that was a, sort of a wide-eyed... Uh, surprised at how much um the hunts say he's going to be paid which is the highest paid player in franchise history so um when when we've been talking about striker here for years and oscar talked about it for years and 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 lucci has talked about it and what they always say is they're expensive you got to pay for them so um i was surprised to see them stretch themselves in this small way by going with a really high paid player um the downside the not so exciting part is that they're going to wait till the summer um, I do have something to add on that. All right, well, hold on one sec. Let, 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 yeah, hold on. Let's ask Dan that same question. Dan, what uh, a meme or GIF would you use to describe your reaction to the signing and the details? Well, of course, uh, our good friend John Leonard is the uh, the Pope of all memes, uh, so I would have to <laughs> consult him. But my first fit reaction was a, the GIF of any contestant in the history of RuPaul's Drag Race or any reality TV show. Waving the hands in the air going, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. That's, I it's love very specific. That. Yes, that's yeah. very good. All right. So uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, Mr. Jara. We're just going to go with Jara for the sake of consistency, at least in this pod, or until I'm told otherwise. Uh, he is coming from Pachuca. But the question I, I have is, on the heels of Dan, uh, excuse me, Clark Hunt, uh, announcing this surprisingly early, uh, uh, when he was doing his interview uh, on the ticket with Corby, uh, 
and and all the other things. Were we at all disappointed or let down by the news that he won't be here until July? Mm, well, um, a little bit. Uh, I, I Dan Hunt did mention that um, uh, in the press conference they had with him when he specifically mentioned Jara that them they tried to buy uh, Jara in 2018. Um, for what he called a quote multi-million dollar offer and, and Pachuca said no so um, they've convinced the player to come now and it may be that Pachuca is refusing to um, let him go earlier I know from Andre Zanata that, that FC Dallas is currently negotiating with Pachuca to try and get him released earlier so cross your fingers that that happens but um, it's not surprising when uh, this player is valued uh, even now is valued on the on the websites around at three and a half million dollars. It's not surprising that the punts don't who are notoriously wait the who uh, frugal. Sorry, go ahead. But no, I, I said who did you, you you just called them the punts? Hunts, yeah, the hunts, punt the bull. Oh, I probably just didn't articulate it well. Oh, the hunts. I, I thought you said punts, which was <laughs> no, no, funny. no. Well, I didn't mean to. <laughs> Let's yeah, be honest, that's not the worst way you could have messed that one. <laughs> that's up. right. Yeah. <laughs> The punts, no. The hunts um, uh, are not likely, as we know of them, to spend three point five million dollars uh, hypothetically for four months of work. So um, there's a diminishing return. Of course, the longer it goes, the less money Pachuca gets. So as long as they can, the, the window closes on May seventh, I think. So there's a whole big window at the front of the season, and his contract expires basically at that same time. So if, you know, there's a possibility they can get him early, and we'll see. But if they had to wait for the summer. You know, worse things have happened. I, obviously, it's not ideal, though. All right. Dan, your reaction to all this? I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's unfortunate. But when you see the Mexican uh, press are talking about Pachuca trying to hold him out for $5 million for a guy who, you know, no one rates at $5 million for one. And secondly, why would you pay $5 million for what's essentially a four-month loan? Uh, just... You know, it's it's unfortunate, but I'm I'm glad they're at least, you know, finally uh, sealed that striker that they've been waiting five years for. Hmm. Okay. So yeah, if this was if this was three or four years ago and he was 27, we'd be dancing in the streets. But it's the hunts, oh, yeah. so he's 31. Um, you know, and it's it's what you know. Living in the bubble of the hunts, as much as we wish they acted like other teams, they don't. So um, this was, I think, as good as you're going to get from the hunts in terms of finding a nine and paying for a nine. So uh, it does lead me to ask the question, uh, in a globe filled with soccer players, how did they end up with this guy? Uh, is there, are, are we to essentially believe that nowhere in the global soccer universe there is another player of uh, equal level who was available for some agreeable price today? Especially with Zanata's, uh, uh, with Zanata's uh, supposed connections down in Brazil. The short answer is, um, since he trashed FC Dallas in the CONCACAF Champions League, they basically been trying to get him. So, you know, the Hunts, uh, probably Dan specifically, has effectively fallen in love with this player, and that was the one they've been after for two or three years now. So uh, it is a fair criticism that there probably could, there are, as we always say, it's a global market. There's probably millions of players out there. So it just depends on how extensive a scouting network you have and how good your connections are. And in this particular case, um, you know, it, it seems that Dan Hunt just really had his eye and really wanted this player so, for a couple of years now. I'd like to play Peter for a moment. Whoa. So we know that FC Dallas scouting has 
not been amazing. Uh, but an international scouting director, he is, uh, you know, five days a week a youth coach, so not really getting out and scouting a whole lot. Um, you know, scouting in general uh, hasn't been amazing. We know that Andrasek was scouted by MLS uh, rather than the club. And now we know that the new striker, although, you know, he's got a great scoring rate, seems like a great talent, you know, arguably as important for FC Dallas as Chicharito is for uh, LA Galaxy. And just when you, you know, take into account that huge sliding scale of one tiny club and one massive one, but your owners just scouted out your new big signing. That's very Jerry Jones-like. Yeah, I, I, you know, if in fact this comes down to, hey, we saw him score against us in a Champions League game and we've wanted him ever since, yet we weren't willing to pay for him and now we're getting him on a free, that all uh, does kind of, I don't know, temper any particular enthusiasm about the guy. Um, you know, uh, part of the reason why I think some of this can, you know, look, everybody who is a fan of this team can take this signing however they choose. They can feel really positive about it. They can be skeptical about it. But in terms of just asking questions, right, like that's all I really want to do is just ask the question is um, we've all been told and, and it wasn't just by Oscar Perea, but by Dan Hunt and other people associated with the club is part of the reason why they don't really like summer signings is because it takes so long for players to acclimatize to the system, to the weather um, and all of those things. And and Oscar specifically pointed out that that's an issue with South American players. And so I, I wonder why. That's changed in this particular instance. He also turns 32 about the time he arrives, um, and he will be coming off uh, on the heels of a lengthy season. So, uh, you know, hopefully he doesn't get injured between now and then. So, I, you know, in in comparison to other clubs that have made signings recently, and we'll set the Chicharito one aside because that's just exponentially different in every way, shape, and form, um, I, I, do, I, I do think there is a fair... Uh, reason to look at this and not be, you know, bowled over and, and be over the moon about it. And, and it's okay not to be over the moon about it. And if you choose to be super excited and think this is the number nine solution, I get, I guess that's okay too. Yeah, there's certainly reasons to not be excited about it. I, I try and um, come back to the idea that he is still still productive at a high level in a super competitive, really talented league. Um, so that's a really bright signing. And and. In, they have tried to pay for him before, um, according to FC Dallas, um, and Pachuca just has turned them down. So it's still just a question of uh, how much they're willing to spend versus when you can get him. You know, I, I, I think he'll be here before the summer. But it is a, it is an interesting question that, um, you know, because they have talked about how they don't like the summer acquisitions, which makes it hard because it's harder to get guys into what the rest of the world is the middle of the season. That makes it really difficult. Um, that's one of MLS's problems in terms of, and that's why they end up always selling in the mm-hmm. middle of their season because that's the off season for everybody else. So uh, it's not a great solution, but it is a hunt style solution. And and I'm as always, I try and be hopeful and reserve judgment until I actually see him in training and see how he looks. You know, but I like the production and I like the pedigree. So uh, age aside, those are positives. Yeah, I, I tried to think about um, making a comparison. If if uh, a team, if another club from another country came in and bought the tenth, the 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 tenth highest player in the goal, uh, uh, goal scoring 
uh, table in MLS in any particular year, let's use last year as an example, what would that represent? So if I told you that uh, pick any club in the world had decided they were going to sign uh, a, a striker for MLS who is currently 10th in the scoring at the end of 2019 uh, and to, to sign them, who do you think that player would be? <laughs> I have no idea, but is it Jesus Ferreira? No, uh, but I mean, uh, Dan, do you know who it is? Tesho Akindele? No, it's CJ Sapong. Hmm. So he's a pretty good player. Yeah. So uh, you know yeah. uh, that uh, you you see where I'm going with this, which yeah. is oh, yeah. you know I don't have any I don't watch Liga MX on the regular. I may pop it on little bits here and there, and I so I I don't pers- I don't. I don't pretend to be any sort of expert in that league or what Franco Jara means to that league, uh, which leads me. This just quick side question: Has anybody seen John Arnold's reaction to this deal at all? Has he said anything publicly? Because if there's one person who I think could absolutely nail it in terms of what this means—good, bad, or indifferent—it's the guy that covers Liga MX and FC Dallas, and I don't think I've seen anything from him. Uh, he has not. He just got back from vacation, so he hasn't mentioned it. Interesting. I've also something. I just uh, went back and I looked at the uh, the scoring charts, and uh, Hira is actually uh, he, he's eighth uh, for for the last season uh, ahead of uh, Andre Pierre Juniak, which is actually kind of impressive. Is he eighth? I thought I looked at it the other day, and I thought he was. Um, oh, he's he's joint tenth. eighth, so it's eight and t- eight, okay. uh, eight, nine, and ten, or on seven goals. All right, so I want to check this with you guys, and just kind of doing some really basic internet googling and and reading on forum boards and stuff. This is the scattering report I I hear about Jara. One is that is that I think if I'm doing my math correct. 20 to 25% of all the goals he scored for Pachuca have been penalty kicks. Apparently, he is a supreme penalty kick taker. Mm. That would be uh, A number one, so take that as you will. The other is that he is pretty notorious for uh, flubbing really, really good opportunities and actually converting the more difficult ones. I've read that in several places. Is that, does that cotton with anything you guys have heard as a, as a scouting report? No, not specifically, no. Anything different that you guys have heard about him? Well, just that um, uh, he was a prototypical box kind of striker, um, a lot like Cobra in that regard. But that also he's uh, likes to take people on, so he actually he can um, come from wide and dribble at people too, um, and, and is good in both combination and just sort of in fighting and clawing. Um, you know, from the description that uh, I've Lucci gave. He sounds like the kind of striker that I think Pepe could be. So um, it'll be nice, if nothing else, if he can mentor Pepe for a couple of years. That'll be good. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, in a, in a hunt world, this is a this is the bargain version of the striker that they need. So uh, hopefully, it'll be better than Cobra because that's the step. That's the measurement, right? As long as he's better than Cobra. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, and I guess some of it will depend on how quickly he gets here and what he produces uh, with the remaining time in the season once he actually gets here. Dan, did you have any other particular scouting reports on the guy that maybe we haven't gotten into? Uh, nothing major. Uh, kind of galleries a bit of a hothead. He's got seven red cards across his career. Uh, actually, the past uh, the two half seasons, uh, sorry, I no jack about Mexican football. <laughs> um, you know, he, he's played every game except for the two he was suspended from getting sent off. So, uh, yeah, two red cards in a pretty short time there. 
It's, it's particularly interesting to me. They gave him a three-year deal plus options. So you're looking at 32 to 35. And then if they want to keep him 36, 37, I mean, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. So. I, I, you know, I, this is one of those, uh, FC Dallas spins that I, I get frustrated by because, you know, on when they made the announcement, a lot was being made out of biggest signing ever. And what I want to make sure everybody understands is that uh, there's two aspects to that. The, the, the Hunts have once again signed a player without spending a transfer fee. Now, they certainly have done that in the past. They did it with uh, uh, Brian Acosta and and even with Tiago uh, Santos. I guess they paid like a million dollars for him. But they have now signed yet. They didn't pay They didn't pay any money to get Andrezic, did they? No, he was yeah. uh, his... His club had defaulted on his contract. Right. So we've got another. You know, if we if we all want to, if we can all at least at the very at the very least agree that the number nine position is like the a number one thing we need to fix or they need to fix. They've once again signed a guy that they didn't pay a transfer fee for. Um, the claims of highest salary ever. We all know, right, is a rather low bar when it comes to uh, yeah. Dan and Clark Hunt. Like they, they've barely broken the million dollar barrier uh, previously with anybody in the club. So if they end up telling us they're paying him even two million dollars a year, well, that may be a tall number for Dan and Clark. That is nothing uh, compared to multiple other clubs within within the league. Yeah, just for comparison, argument: uh, Funes Mori from Monterey is reportedly available for ten million, and twenty-seven prime of his career. So, you know, it, it's it's it is what it is in in the sense that um, we know the Hunts are never going to spend like that. You know, uh, their version of spending like that is a longer contract than uh, you should probably give a thirty-two-year-old, thirty-one-year-old. Um, so hopefully they don't get saddled with this contract for when the player's done and dusted after two seasons. All right, so I'm going to ask you guys to totally speculate uh, before you even see this guy step uh, on the field, uh, a practice field for FC Dallas. Do either one of you have a gut feeling what his uh, what what kind of result we're going to see out of Franco Jara in the 2020 season? Yeah, I think um, even if he doesn't come to July, I think he'll break the 10 goal barrier, even in that short, uh, you know, July, August, September. October. I think four months is enough for him to break ten goal barrier. Dan, do you think league. Dan, do you think he is the number nine striker that we've been that the club has been looking for? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean he's got a knack of scoring. Um even if a quarter of those goals come from the penalty spot, it's just something that, that the club hasn't really had since Blas Perez and you know, he should be the first guy in a, in a long time, uh by the time twenty twenty one rolls around to get get past fifteen in a season. Yeah, and I think this is a good opportunity to uh, bring up the the big news. And by the way, and nobody's really talked about this too much, and I don't necessarily blame anybody for this, but the fact that they made the announcement of their quote-unquote biggest contract deal ever by FC Dallas happening on the same day that the LA Galaxy announced Chicharito is about <laughs> peak right. FCD as it ever could possibly be. Um, so let's, let's talk about the big news about Chicharito. I watched his press conference today. I thought he was super impressive, but if there is one thing that I do wonder, especially if you try to compare Jara and Chicharito is I'm not a hundred percent sure anybody can look at you in the eye and tell you they exactly know what they're getting in terms of Chicharito, a guy who hasn't played very much dating back to, I don't know, 
before he signed with West Ham because he wasn't playing regularly with them and he certainly wasn't playing with Sevilla. At least with Jara, you've got a guy that will arrive here maybe with some miles and uh, wear and tear in terms of recent activity, but I think you're going to get an idea of at least what kind of form he's in by the time he gets here. So if you're trying to think about a comparison to those two things, I think that's a positive uh, in comparison for the signing. Yeah, I, it's been a couple of years since Chicharito's been a consistent player and been in consistent form. Um, you know, you balance the risk reward with him because of the fact that of his uh, off field impact where, where they sold uh, twice as many tickets in the same t- time frame as Laton did after they signed Chicharito. So, I mean, he's already having crazy impact. The video of him arriving at the airport was just ridiculous. Um, you know, so there that side balances. I mean, he's, he's a transcendent star in the Mexican community and they badly needed that. With what everything LAFC is doing, LA Galaxy really needed somebody like that, you know, to to make a buzz, particularly in, for the Hispanics. And um, you know, I, if if Chicharito is healthy, I think he's perfectly good enough to produce at a high level in MLS. The question is, can he stay healthy at his age and play a full schedule? Uh, and that I'm not so sure of because he hasn't done it in several years. Yeah, I mean that's kind of part and parcel of uh, most of your career. Um, transfers being related more to shirt sales than your talent. Uh, they say, you know, uh, one good thing with Hara is, you know, he's playing 90 minutes every week and, you know, you can see him score and you can see him contributing. Uh, Javier Hernandez has, you know, got so many splinters up his ass, he do not know what to do right now. Uh, I I was I I think I was surprised although I shouldn't have been when uh, Taylor Twellman tweeted out the news today that he was told or that uh, that it was revealed that uh, LA stated that there had been no discovery rights placed on Chicharito meaning that they didn't have to go through any other MLS team FC Dallas or Chicago um, or San Jose, some other place that you think would love to have Chicharito. Nobody had placed discovery rights on him, and I, I and and I think in Taylor's case, he was using that as an opportunity to kind of knock Chicago for not even trying. But I think you could make the same argument for multiple clubs across the league. Yeah, maybe people had read his quotes where he said he would never come to MLS as being legitimate, which obviously they weren't, but. Uh, and the price tag too. I, that's a surprising one. Uh, you know, you only get a certain amount, at least you used to. Uh, I, it's been a long time since anyone's yeah, talked about 10. that rule. It was a 10 now. It used to be six. So, uh, you know, you only have a certain amount you can file. And if you have guys that you, you know, are legitimately from your academy or something, like I, I'm, I'm operating on an assumption that FC Dallas has one on Chris Kappas, for example. So, you know, I, um, it's not shocking that some people didn't want to waste one on waste one quote unquote on Chicharito, but it isn't a waste. Surprising that nobody had one. Even LA Galaxy should have had one. I would have thought. Yeah. Well, uh, I do. I, I do wish uh, they had been successful in finding somebody that they felt was worth spending money on to to have them ready for the start of the season. I I, I do worry that uh, that will come back to haunt them over the course of a season without knowing anything else about this team. Um, uh, I'm just, you know, history yeah. tells us midseason signings typically don't make big impacts for teams, especially ones that are trying to uh, win cups and, and get deep into playoff runs. But we'll see. That, that's true. But um, we're not into predictions yet. But um, I don't I don't know that any of us are ready to call this a cup season. So it's you know maybe they're looking at twenty twenty one as the target. All right. I mean, do you feel like it is? No. I, well, I, I mean, I, so, I, you know. 
I, but that drives me nuts that we're... Yeah. We're well, I know, but you know, sometimes we have to live in the world as it is. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, move away. So we've uh, covered the Jara signing. Congratulations. And the Chicharito news. Nothing else particular about that. What I really want to get into is the fact that Dan and uh, Buzz both have attended FC Dallas camp, which kicked off this week. Dan, you went first uh, early, so I'm going to let you start off with some observations from the camp. Well, uh what, what do I start with? Uh, obviously, we've we've seen that Jacory Hayes uh, has been transferred. He was uh, he was strolling around in his practice gear, not doing a whole lot. Later on, joined by Paxton Pomacol. Um, you know, we know Paxton came back from the national team camp uh, with a quote unquote groin issue. Uh, so I asked Luchi about it, and he, you know, we'd speculated: is it related to the hamstring? Is it related to the hernia operation last year and he was like yep it's the hernia operation so was the hamstring um he's got some scar tissue that he's dealing with uh they anticipate that he'll be back fully fit in the next week or so i think um you know for anyone that hasn't dealt with scar tissue it sucks because it just it builds up on its own you have to work it out whether that's ultrasound massage lasers whatever um and it's gonna it's just gonna be maintenance it's obviously in a very sensitive area um around the groin lasers in a very sensitive area no less yeah you you wouldn't want to do that uh (laughs) likewise you know if you did ultrasound that's like pretty severe heat in a place you don't want to have uh have all that so don't put icy hot on your twig and berries but that is really fun to uh, to to put all over someone's clothes in the in the locker room after a game. Um, oh. Wow! Yeah. Um, so he should be back uh, back fit and just uh, dealing with that. Uh, I don't know if they're anticipating it to last uh, last long. I know you know scar tissue can be one of those like things that hangs about for a couple of years. Has anybody talked to Pax? Either of you? By I, I did. tried to, but he made a quick exit. He I did. I talked to him. All right. So any, what did Pax tell you, Buzz? Uh, that he feels pretty good other than um, the scar tissue uh, issue, essentially. He put Icy um, Hot on his twig and berries? He's no, no. But, no, but he was he was moving pretty good in his um, uh, rehab running that he was doing. Um, and he obviously is mad, not at someone, but uh, if you know Paxton, how competitive he is, he's super mad that he cannot be involved. Um, you know, and he's running with a pissed off look on his face that he's doing this jogging around the field. But he is moving pretty good. And it's just a question of working, as Dan said, working through uh, something that happens with everybody that has this procedure. So it's no big deal. Um, and he's actually really positive other than that and really excited and uh, is growing some kind of little beard action there. I don't know what he's trying to man up a little bit or what, but uh, that could just be preseason scruff, I guess. And we're still awaiting the arrival of the other signing of the offseason, which is Tiago Santos. Uh, that is a paperwork uh, legal thing, correct? Yeah, that's, uh, that's something else I uh, spoke to uh, Lucci about. Uh, just waiting for his visa. Uh, you know, obviously with the political climate and everything, visas are taking longer and longer. Um, they, some somebody did tell me they were expecting it to be like two weeks. So uh, Lucci then said he expects it to be about a week. Hmm. Uh, they've been working on a plan with him, um, Van der Salas, the uh, athletic trainer. Um, 
been in touch with a physical plan. Um, I did wonder if he'd been training even with Palmeiras, um, but Lucci said, you know, he's he's been getting some reps in with a local group, but he couldn't comment who. Um, you know, obviously there's, there's kind of a, a cliff there because he was playing right up until the transfer went through, I think two days before it went through. And, um, you know, to go from that kind of, that level of activity to, to not a whole lot is is a bit tough. So hopefully the uh, the plan will, will have him good and, you know, we'll still have well, like five weeks of preseason left. Unless, or, or he's been hanging out at one of those Brazilian steakhouses just uh, chowing down. <laughs> getting fat, yeah. Get, getting all that meat. I mean, I was planning on calling him from Fogo to Chow next week, to be honest. All right. Well, that's a good idea. Uh, so, Buzz, this is what I really want to know from you. I, I haven't attended any of the practices. I'm, you know, I'm just gonna I'm gonna ask this question as a a nerdy fan. What what's really the vibe? You've been to so many. Both of you, I can ask this question because you 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 guys are around the team all the time. Um, you've been to multiple preseason camps with different coaches and different players. I really want a sense of, you know, after the, the times you've been there this week, do you have a sense of the vibe of the team yet and kind of the mood and the attitude of the team? Uh, yeah, uh, Tuesday was interesting, actually. Um, usually this early in the season, there's a, a lot some guys that are not super excited to be out there, and, and usually there's some guys that are fighting – for uh, spots, but um, this year the team is um, are pretty much already set in terms of like the senior roster. The only guys that are really battling for spots are the the draft picks. Everyone else sort of has this um, let's get down to business kind of mentality. Um, and there's a, there's a, the, the competition that is on display is actually just for starting. Um, you know, almost every position on the field now, Lucci has on as at least one guy, if not. Sorry, at least two guys, if not three guys, in some situations that are competing to start. So uh, it was actually kind of a very business-like, very focused vibe first day. Everyone seems really positive and upbeat inside that. That, but um, definitely was like a, a lot of time. Like spring training, I think, is two weeks shorter this year. So a lot of times in the past, the first week or two has been a lot of clowning around. You know, if you're not a draft pick or whatever, but. Uh, it wasn't like that this time. This time it was right out of the gate, super focused. And I, I really liked that, actually. I, I was really impressed by that. And and it helps, of course, that Lucci's in his second year now. So everybody now knows what to expect. and Everybody knows where they stand. So compared to last year when they were, everyone was, had questions on their mind, now everyone is like content and they know what they are and they know what they're doing and they're getting to work. So that's kind of nice, actually. I was going to say, uh, you know, I think it just kind of helps as well. They came in and knew exactly what they were doing. Um, on Monday, it was it was run through a warm up. It wasn't joking around. It was hey, everyone's taking a lap at Toyota Soccer Center. Uh, a lot of run, the there. whole a lot center, of rotating drills. The entire yeah. center. Well, at least a few of the pitches. Oh, I was going to say that's a long um, run. Yeah, not, I don't think they came right up the very end of it. But, um, you know, straight into some rondos, rotating drills. Everyone's keeping busy. There's not really a whole lot of downtime in in between when people start playing around um and you know there's there's a couple of uh you know you've got some of the guys like uh carlos grace so um you know uh, a great locker room leader but he was also one of the guys that just like that liked having a joke and that you kind of don't have that right now you've got you've got guys that like joke about but they're not like pranksters yeah yeah i guess that's probably the best way to put it hmm. 
Um, and then there's also, you know, we're, we're that early into preseason that there aren't any trialists in yet, so there's not those kind of breaks in in the sessions. Um, yeah, it really helps that over the last ten years or so, they've really migrated to this complete off-season protocol where. Uh, and Matt had just talked to me about this over the winter is like, you have to show up day one already in great shape. And he said, you have to be in better shape than you were during the season when you walk in day one. And it used to be that you would spend two weeks getting in shape. And he said, you can't do that anymore. Now you have to come in in tip top health and tip top shape, or you won't be left behind in a hurry. All right. So you guys have seen some training sessions, correct? Like actual yes. activity. All right. We're yeah. going to, we're going to play a game, everybody. You ready? That's concerning. Uh, no, sure. this, this is going to be fun. Okay. All right. We're going to do flash round. Each of you have the opportunity to name me one player that has impressed you in your time you have seen. One player, and that's it. Can't do it. Buzz, you go first. Okay. Fafa Pico. Dan? Shit, that was my answer. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Um, it's okay. Cal Jennings is uh, is a lot further along than I thought he was going to be from from the early part. I did see. All right, perfect. Uh, Buzz, let's start with you. I'm I'm fascinated yep. to hear more about uh, uh, slow feet don't eat. I got to yeah. hear more about this this cat. Well, for one thing, he's tiny. I mean, he he's is? like yeah, he's Michael Barrios in height, but without Michael Barrios's muscle. So that was actually surprising. So he's a 12-year-old boy is what you're telling me. Yeah, whatever they listed him at is a lie. There's no way. If it says he's 5'8", there's no chance. I don't know how tall he is, really. But uh, I'm going to look it up really fast since I I, I said that. So your assignment the next time either one of you go to practice is to take a picture of the two of them standing next to each other, please. Okay, he's tiny. So the second thing is right away, instantly, you can tell that he's – uh, a legitimate player, and even in the small samples I've seen him, he makes it. He makes a difference in the training, in the sense that like he elevates whatever is around him. So he's an impactful player right away, and he has a a really quick burst. He's great ball, plays head up. Um, so you know, I haven't seen him in a full field game. We're only talking about small sided stuff, but. Uh, he stands out already, which is fantastic because sometimes even uh, regular MLS players don't stand out, and he stood out. So that's exciting. All right. Dan, why don't you tell everybody about Cal? Um, there's not a whole lot really to, to tell. Uh, we've, you you know, named we've seen him. Buzz talk. Okay. Well, we've seen Buzz talk about you know him for UCF. Uh, in practice, really, all I've, all I've really been able to see of him is that he's, he's kind of ready to go. He's In his reps, he's not – He's not taking a breather and kind of looking a bit flustered like some of the other draft picks are. Uh, he's not he's not misplacing his passes or mistiming his tackles. He's just you know straight on it. Pro you know the most pro ready. Yeah, I, I, let me add on to that that like the way he carries himself, he is clearly comfortable in the scenario as opposed to all the other rookies looked panicked. Um, and as Dan says, he's the, he makes. Um, Really nice with his feet when the ball comes in. He obviously is a great box poacher. If he has to go wide and run that's at somebody, that's not quite as good. That'll take some time to work out. Um, and he does make interesting decisions. Like when the ball would come into him, a lot of times I'm thinking, oh, he's going to turn this way, and then he would turn the other way. And so occasionally he makes interesting passing, interesting choices about what he's doing, and that always intrigues me, a guy that thinks slightly differently than other players. That's always good to see. All right, let's play the flash game again. Dan Buzz, name the one player who you went, eh, I'm a 
not so sure about that. Dan? Uh, don't want to say because he's a nice guy, but Nikosi Burgess. Okay, yeah, Buzz? Dan, Dan stole mine, too. Um, no, it could be me, the same guy. It's okay. Me, okay. I'm Unless there's say somebody the else guy, you want to throw under the bus. <laughs> no, I'm going to say the same guy, actually. Right. Tell us why about Nico, uh whatever. Go ahead, Dan. Uh, a guy whose name I, don't, I clearly don't need to learn how to pronounce because he's not going to be here very long. <laughs> no, I mean, he will he, be, he, actually. He, okay. he will be. Um, you know, he's a, he's a, it's kind of like how uh, Walker Zimmerman was in his first couple of seasons. You know, complete athletic talent who's got to really get the headspace for the game and the, and the skill set of the game. Um, you know, day one was a lot of passing, uh, a lot of, a lot of uh, possession-based stuff. And that is not his strong point at all. Um, struggled a lot with <laughs> That's passing. a problem, isn't it? <laughs> yes, yeah. it is. And, you know, we saw that with Callum Montgomery last year, and he's improved a lot. Uh, actually, he, he, he looked really good in, in practice on, uh, on Monday. Um, you know, it's just, you know, he was, he was visibly flustered. Um, I was talking to, I think, Cal Jennings or or Fafa Pico, one or the other. And, um, you know, he was kind of huffing and kind of like head head was down. And, you know, Lucci was there like picking him up and saying, hey, look, you know, we're going to have all individual meetings. Everyone's going to get individual targets. It's day one. You know, it's, it's day one of however many. It's, you know, this isn't the end of the road. This isn't anything. Um, I, I I hope he's not a player that gets in his own head um, and doesn't need picking up too much. Uh Lucci definitely is one of those coaches who'll put his arm around a player and, and, and pick him up, but obviously his job's a lot easier if he doesn't have to do that after every session. Um, early days, yeah, but, you know, it, it. we've seen with Walker Zimmerman that, you know, players who are just a physical specimen can pick up the, the skills and the uh, and the mentors for the game. And what position is he? He's a centre-back. Center yeah, he's a center back. He's six five, uh, really oh, fast, big, cow. strong, like Gooch, intimidating, scary. Um, you know, I watched him shift out and play right back. You know, where he was completely out of comfort. Um, you know, his, his feet are good, so that's a good place to build from. But um, in terms of like Lucci ball build out, he's got no clue what to do with the ball. He can only basically like pass it back to the other defender again, um, and his defensive instincts are mostly good but occasionally uh misfires so he's a they drafted him to be a long-term project and he's definitely a long-term project but um you know there, there's lots of things about him to get excited about but in terms of like day one and and i saw him on day two he definitely is not up to the level right now all right it definitely reminds me of walker zimmerman because like when he came in he was kind of hopeless uh you know he was still having his every game brain fart really up until he left Dallas and now no, he still has him in LA don't worry <laughs> well I mean like it used to be at least two ever two a game and one would result in a goal I mean now at least he's he's picking it up he's a defender of the year finalist he's you know regular with the U.S. national team now he's you know he's elevated himself and if and you know I'm sure they're looking and saying okay well let's do that again all right well uh we'll designate uh mr burgess as the official uh, adoptee of third degree and we'll uh be rooting for him to succeed how about that yeah. plus his purple hair is pretty cool oh yeah, yeah that is pretty kick-ass okay uh any other particular notes from camp that we need to discuss before we move on to other more important things mm. 
I'm trying to think if there's any, you know, there's a couple of North Texas really? guys there that are doing well. That's about all I got. All right. Any particular skills or drills or uh, shots on goal or saves or skill Rondo, moves? Rondo, Rondo. Oh, it's just <laughs> yeah. All right. It's, it's tons of small ball passing and movement to a small space. Like they did a six V six was the biggest they've done so far. It's all just, right. it's way, way early. It's fundamentals still. The first Especially- full game action is Saturday morning. Actually, it's, uh, one thing is, is kind of nice to highlight. Uh, it's not necessarily the, the soccer side of things, but when you speak to every player, when you speak to Lucci, everyone emphasizes this whole family atmosphere from the draftees to the guys who've been around forever. Um, it's, you know, it kind of goes towards that atmosphere of everyone knowing when to get down to work and and, and having a great relationship. It's not like, you know, I remember a few years ago there was the... It was very clicky. You had the the Argentine and Colombian guys. You had the English speaking guys, and they were off doing their own things. Now everyone's kind of like actually really gelled together. Interesting. All right, that's a good note. Thank you, Dan, for sharing that. Uh, there are some players missing uh, due to national team call ups. Uh, anything to report? We saw some video footage of Jesus out there. Uh, We've seen some interview footage of Reggie. Anything about that that we want to uh, discuss on the pod? Oh, yeah, I do. Um, I noticed on the Jesus um, video that they posted, uh, he had an intensity and focus that I really liked about the video that they showed of him playing, which I was really pleased to see. Um, but I also got a report from an FC Dallas staffer, you know, because f- they, they talked to the national team staff. Mm-hmm. And apparently they got back a scouting report from he- that Jesus, who's been playing as a nine, by the way, for the U.S. national team. Um, that Bearhalter was has really likes him and that he's having a fantastic camp. So um, it's great to hear that at a step up level because the U.S. national team is a step up that Jesus is performing so well and he is just 18 years old. I don't think he's even 19 yet. So um, or no, he just turned 19 like a couple weeks ago. That's right. Uh, that's super exciting to see a guy uh, get his first taste of the national team and then blossom like that. He can't play yet for them though. Am I I'm, am I up to date on that? He's still waiting for whatever. No. Paper- no, he's good now. He finally got his citizenship. He's good. So he he may play in the game against Costa Rica. Yeah, I would expect him to. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That'll be very exciting. Anything about Reggie you guys want to talk about? Are they selling him anytime soon? Have we heard anything on news uh, about them moving Reggie? Um, last I heard was that they don't have an offer that meets their valuation yet. But um, if you watch the interview that Reggie did from National Team Camp, where he got asked like five times about you know, moves and, and where his mind is and all that stuff. He kept smiling and grinning knowingly, you know, as if, Oh yeah, you know, we all know this is coming. So I, I just, at this point, um, it, if it doesn't happen, like in the next, like right after he leaves national team camp and plays this next game, if it doesn't happen right after that, then I don't think it'll happen until the summer. Um, because there's too, there's not enough time, uh, you know, if it doesn't happen like in the two weeks before the season starts. But did I hear from the press conference, uh, Dan, or somebody said that they're actually considering signing him to a new deal to stay here in Dallas? Oh, yeah, that was from the press conference when I asked about Reggie's situation. They said that they're trying very hard to re-sign him. Um, to a to a because he has this year's an option and next year's an option at like the, at the basically the number he signed with out of the academy, not out of academy, out of UCLA. So they're trying to give him a bigger valuation. But part of the reason you want to do that though is because if you pay him more, then you can sell him for more. Right. So that's it's all part of it. If he has a longer contract, he's cost more to get. You know, and 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 uh, be honestly, look, he's a good player. If he if he was focused on here, and even he says he is, but it's not the same thing. If we knew he wanted to be here, we knew he was locked in. Everyone would love to have that kid for five years. But 
you know, I think with the World Cup two years away that he's got his eye on a big move so he can compete. Because in the interview, he's, he specifically mentions competing with um, Yadlin, competing with uh, Durst from a, at Ajax, and competing with um, uh, the kid at uh, Red Bull, uh, Adams. So, you know, he knows that he's got to get to a bigger stage. All right, so uh, it is the uh, warm and gooey center of third degree. It is the kit. Uh, we actually got another sneak today, which essentially confirmed what we've known all along. It you know the, the the new Dallas home shirt will at the very least feature the very weird and creepy military three shoulder stripes that we're starting to see in other shirts. But we we don't or do we know anything else about what we're going to end up seeing on the fifth or sixth of February when the league reveals all of them white well shorts. what we do know is that uh is that ryan hollings had wore white shorts at media day and he wore red socks that had a blue cuff if you're into that kind of detail um the the, the shoulders of this thing look red which is a change because obviously the top is blue now on the current one so oh, that was white um, wasn't it the this, sleeves no, are blue sleeves the are sleeves blue. are blue the shoulders yeah. are white yeah, yeah that's right okay so um and then the the fabric pattern has the same one that the minnesota united uh teases do and the Minnesota United teases, you can see that there's some sort of um, image that they showed a wider picture. So you can see there's some sort of image. So what we don't know, that's basically it's a red top with white highlights. What we don't know is, is there any blue highlights? And is there some kind of image or sublimation going on on the red part uh, other than what looks like white shorts and red socks? Yeah, because they are they are doing a little bit of sublimation. We've seen the... Uh the mock-ups of the RSL one, which looks like some crazy drug trip. Um, Real Salt Lake have uh, not Real Salt Lake, sorry. Um, Orlando City have uh, a white one with like a, a purple lion on it. Hmm. Um, you know the 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 honeycomb thing on the on the material is on every one of those with the shoulder stripes. This is part of that template, but um, yeah, we've also heard from a couple of people that there's blue on it, so. Well, I guess we have to just see where that is. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm fascinated. You know, first off, uh, you mentioned the Minnesota one. Man, if they put the big, large, vertical wing back on that shirt that used to exist back in their USL day, that'll be a huge win. That was always one of my favorite designs. Yep. I, I hope that's back on there, the loon wing. That was fantastic. Um, I, and, and again, I think we've all finally decided that uh, Advocare is still the shirt sponsor. There's no reason to believe that that's changing, uh, uh, although we thought maybe it was with their whatever that big change in their business was. Yeah, there, were, there was a lot of hints that there, it was changing, but um, the bottom line is, is that Advocare has a deal through 2020. So until we hear some report in like the business journal or something or from FC Dallas that they bought out that contract, I mean, are the Hunts going to buy out a contract? Mm-hmm. No. Oh, honestly, so, I mean – you know, speaking to people from the um, from the club, like through the whole thing, even before that sale, they were like, "There's a year on the contract. No one's paying a penny." Yeah, yeah. interesting. You know, no one's paying to get out of it. Now, am I wrong, Buzz, that you mentioned something about wanting hoops in this new design, and somebody related to the team replied to you in a tweet that you won't be disappointed? What I said was, um, "I hope it's not solid red top." Because uh, that will be disappointing, and if it is saw red, at least give me white shorts to pop it up a little bit. Ah. And the person said you won't be disappointed. So I took from that to mean that there's some sort of pattern or design other than just solid red. So that, I'm optimistic that it is because yeah, that, that was what I was. <laughs> well, I, I said I'd be disappointed with solid red jersey, 
Um, so I'm, I was hoping that that's what his response was to. I mean, I'm choosing to try and take it the way I want it to be, right? <laughs> <laughs> so he may have just meant the white shorts and the and the picture from. White well, shorts. what we do know is that uh, is that Ryan Hollingshead wore white shorts at media day, and he wore red socks that had a blue cuff. If you're into that kind of detail, um, the, the the shoulders of this thing look red, which is a change because obviously the top is blue now on the current one. So oh, that was white, um, wasn't it? You know, so I'm just still hoping out that the pattern is the one I saw, saw from the the new Germany jersey, which is the pattern that looks like the old Dallas Burn, what I call hoop hoop stripes, not hoop stripes. Uh, pin hoops. Hoop, pin hoops. That was the word, uh, yeah. yeah. Like pin stripes, call them pin hoops. You know, like, like that. That would be nice. But, um, you know, until we get another hint, we're just guessing. Okay, so uh, we will vacate uh, things related to FC Dallas and move on to North Texas Soccer Club real briefly. Uh, Buzz, you got an opportunity to go check out the new uh, Globe Life Park, uh, yeah. uh, free-for-all, whatever that they're calling that thing now, circus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. Are the pyramids still in there? I don't know what the pyramids are. Oh, there was some <laughs> there was some sort of like rave light show festival oh. where these giant pyramids were in now maybe they're outside the stadium. That I was, was outside, to, yeah. I thought they were inside. Um no. all right. So uh tell us about the new turf field. Remember everybody, it's yeah. not grass and the new alignment and all that stuff. Well, I confirmed with Matt Denny that the, the markings are temporary, so it'll be clean green for SC, uh, North Texas SC. Um, but I did walk on the field and um it is amazing. It is the spongiest, best turf I've ever been on in my life. Now, I hate turf. So for me to say that this turf is amazing, I think that really should tell you something. And Eric Quill said it's the best turf he's ever seen, too. So um, they paid high dollar for those good turf as you can get. Now, is it exactly like grass? No. But it is honestly the best turf I've ever seen. It is as close to real grass as I've ever seen. Uh, it is phenomenal. Now, I, do we all wish it was grass? Of course we do. But this is as good as it's going to get in the meantime and and seeing all the north texas signage everywhere and all over the big jumbotrons and all that was great the new bleacher that's built over the old outfield is right there tight on the sideline um you know there's like 10 yards of space on one side and maybe 10 uh, 5 to 15 on the other because it's kind of curved but you know it and the verticality of the seats it's like it's a nice tight feel and that's really nice now of course it's a big huge gigantic building that's way too big for north texas sc but um Again, in the context of what it is, the turf is great, and the and the things coming into shape quite nicely. I think, relatively speaking. Yeah, I, I uh, you know, I think we traded some tweets about this last week. I, I get further and further away from being concerned about turf because it's become very clear to me that this new generation of soccer player uh, of both genders are growing up on this surface, and they don't seem to care or have a preference anymore. Um, and I've had, I've had this conversation a a lot with like friends of mine who have kids that are, uh, you know, playing at high levels for different clubs in the, in the area. Um, and I was in Vegas this weekend and was talking to some guys that have kids and the, the, the general consensus is this Gen Z generation of soccer players don't give two squirts about the difference between grass and and uh, playing on a turf surface because most of them are spending the vast majority of their time playing on an art- artificial surface, and they're completely used to it. Yeah, that's what Paxton said, too. He didn't care. 
So yeah. I, I think that's fascinating because we we spend so much time harping about surfaces, uh, you know, Portland and Seattle and yeah. the Cotton Bowl and all those things. And I, I Dan, is that is that true uh, over in England, for example? Because I know four uh, uh, G surfaces. No, we're able to grow grass. Uh, okay. Um, I mean, the problem here is you don't have the the public soccer fields everywhere. Like we have, you know, like my hometown's only like three hundred thousand people. It's you know, glorified Frisco and Plano, and there's like seven, eight odd facilities that are just like Moss Park. Really fascinating um you know so you don't really have unless you're uh unless you're you're playing like at a school that's just had a grant um to get an all-weather surface so they can play like field hockey and stuff all year round you don't really play on it a ton um i mean the biggest thing honestly is is the quality of it now you know it's not like the old school astroturf it's now you know the the 3g and 4g stuff is is incredible um, you know, and I've definitely seen a difference growing up for, you know, from playing that as a, occasionally on a, as a kid and it being, you know, little more than a carpet on some concrete to, to what this is, you know, the stuff now where it's okay. Yeah. You get, uh, you get covered in uh, black rubber crumb, but the ball bounces is, is close enough the the feel on the foot is fine. You can wear, uh, cleats or or astros or indoors or any kind of shoes doesn't really make a whole lot of difference now you You can wear your trainers (laughs) shut up (laughs) (laughs) yeah but uh you know it's it's pretty close i mean if you know if if they were playing every week on the kind of turf that's on say uh dr pink you know, if, if you've ever played on that, it's like running across a mattress topper. You, your feet get sunk into it. You start twisting around. It, it's it's not a lot of fun. But yeah, that feels that, 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 that particular artificial field has a terrible history behind it. I think they've torn it up and replaced it with seven or eight times. They do every year. Yeah, they, uh, they tear it up for football and then they put it back down and they put a new uh, different layer under every time. Yeah. Um, anything else uh, we should jot or note about North Texas before we uh, move on to the next thing? Oh, yeah, I got a couple things. Um, wow. I talked to um, uh, some people about uh, Jata who and, and Danzo, some players that we liked that we would like to see stick around. It turns out that a lot of those loan contracts are structured um, the, the deals that um, it's one year with a second team. And then basically, if you're not buying them for your first team, the guy that owns them's taking them back, so they kind of were had their hands tied. Hello, doggy. They kind of had their hands tied on those two guys as much as they would have liked to have keep, keep them for this year with North Texas. It was, you know, they, they kind of were stuck. Um, and the second thing was, um, you know, you'll still have the same a lot of the same players coming down from FC Dallas, and you'll still have some academy kids coming up. But I asked Quill about uh, between the guys that they've cut and the guys that they might loan out and or might sell. Um, he's expecting only about 30% of his core roster to be back, and they want to have a bigger core roster than last year. So you're looking at 70% plus new players that are going to come in. So you're talking about effectively a complete rebuild of North Texas. So it'll be interesting to see if they can do it again and see if, what kind of players they can find. Um, and they got an open tryout coming up if you think you can got game and get out there. Well, they've won their championship. They have free reign in my mind to do whatever the F they want and, and do it however they want. They've got that trophy. So check mark 
box. Yes, indeed. Whatever. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, okay, let's. Uh, the other thing that we got that's I think this is fascinating. We got U.S. Open Cup alignments or, or uh, fixtures uh, set up, and I gotta say I'm I'm kind of thinking maybe I'm gonna make a trip to Denton to go check out um, the amateur team Riados that is always a great story in the Open Cup playing uh, up north at the uh, the the Denton team. Yeah, that's going to be a fascinating matchup because Denton uses all college players that are on their summer vacations, um, and effectively they'll have to rebuild their roster pretty much every summer. I mean, they, may have, they might have some of the same guys come back, but they'll probably have some turnover too. And then, of course, Riados is, um, as we've seen, perfectly capable of beating NPSL teams anytime they want, So, um, despite the fact they're complete amateurs. So that's going to be a fascinating, fascinating matchup. And then the other one is Vaqueros, who are now semi-pro completely and don't use college kids anymore. They're going to go to face Tulsa Athletic up on uh, the campus at Oral Roberts. Um, a little road trip for them. And that's a, a revenge chance game because um, Tulsa knocked them out of the third round of the playoffs last year because Tulsa won their division and, and Vaqueros uh, advanced in the playoffs and then got knocked out by Tulsa. So that's a good matchup, too. Well, maybe uh, maybe for the uh, Denton Diablos uh, Vaquero, not Vaqueros, um, Riados game, we should do a road trip. Maybe we'll all three go yeah. up together. Yeah, that'd be good. Well, they do play on consecutive days. I will definitely be at the Denton game, though. What do you mean they play on consecutive days? Yeah, the Fort uh, Tulsa the, games on the day before. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm not worried about that. I, I, I'm worried about the de- the one up in Denton. Oh, yeah. oh we'll, we'll definitely be there then. John yeah. will be there because he, you know, he lives there. I'm not. Dr- I'm not driving to Tulsa. Sorry. <laughs> Oklahoma sucks. Let's be honest. Dan, take it easy there now, Mister. We've just lost like you two are. Lists you are from now, Luton, after all. You don't have a lot of room to criticize other people's places. All right. At least that's from what I've told about Luton. No, we're not on the list of crap towns anymore. Uh, are you sure about that, sir? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Towns that are bollocks. And Oklahoma's just Texas's hat anyway. <laughs> hey, uh, Buzz, you know what I got in the mail this week? Mm, a shirt? I did, and it's awesome. Yeah. I got my uh, – I'm waiting for Buzz to get his cease and desist letter from somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because that glorious full-color uh, Dallas Burn uh, alternate logo. I think – did we decide that was going to be the alternate logo that never really got used? The horse with the wing – the horse face facing you head-on with the wings yeah. coming off to the side? Uh, I only saw it ever used one time on a T-shirt in black and white. I've never seen the color one used ever. But anyway, that, that shirt's uh, our number one seller t-shirt already you sold uh 1700 of them i understand is that what you told me uh yeah it's 1700 dollars season tickets yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) more than season tickets yeah uh yeah it is a fantastic shirt i love it i can't wait to uh wear it i just got it for the i just i got home from my trip and saw it um i i want to share a story with you guys real quick uh that uh i uh, so I went to Vegas last weekend uh, to play in the Old Fart Cup, and uh, that was fun and all. But running in parallel was one of the larger youth travel team tournaments uh, called the Vegas Cup. Man, I got to tell you something. If Dan and Clark Hunt haven't done, if they've only done one thing uh, in all the time they've owned this team, they have uh, ginned up an incredibly uh, uh, let's see, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Um, present brand at these tournaments. I, I can't tell you. I saw more FC Dallas paraphernalia 
in Vegas in the course of four days than I and I, I'm not exaggerating. I saw more FC Dallas paraphernalia in four days in Las Vegas than I have in the Dallas Fort Worth area walking around randomly outside of a game in the last I don't know five ten years collectively it was the number and presence of fc dallas at this tournament was overwhelming and i saw that logo uh more four to one compared to any other logo i saw at the tournament it was really really impressive yeah i think somebody told me they had 50 teams at that one tournament fc dallas did across all levels i don't know if this is i don't know if this is the same i don't know if this is consistent from tournament to tournament but it is very obvious to me that the fc dallas brand at that particular level has a lot of uh gravitas to it um you could see other kids from other clubs uh ogling kids walking around uh in fc dallas stuff like oh there's wow. a guy from fc dallas or a girl from fc yeah it was uh it was pretty impressive to be honest with you that is impressive because that, that's not even um, an academy tournament. That's a, a youth tournament. No, that's the money-making tournament. Yeah, those are guys that are paying. FC Dallas Youth. <clears throat> yeah, man, there was yeah. a, a ton of them. Uh, literally, like FC Dallas jerseys, parents in FC Dallas jerseys. Yeah. I saw more of those in four days than I've seen, you know, walking around randomly and uh, forever. Uh, it was it was really, really uh, quite I, different. I do think some of the pre-academy teams went, some of the prior to U12 Academy, and some of those teams were out there too. Yeah, I have yeah. Uh, no idea how any of them did. Uh, hopefully they did better <laughs> than my team. Uh, yeah. All right, Buzz, would you like to uh, take a moment to promote your Patreon and other uh, associated uh, things that you're doing? Well, on the on the website, you can of course find the way to get some T-shirts if you're interested in that uh, groundbreaking T-shirt. Um, and also, the Patreon is going well. We have um, just short of eighty people supporting, which is exciting. Uh, it's if you like the website, what we do. If you like the podcast that we do, it's a way to support what we're doing. Like PBS, you can uh, chime in however much money you would like. Uh, it's perfectly changeable to whatever total you would want. And we give um, bonus content on there for people that are. Um, that are patrons. Um, sometimes it's raw interview audio. Sometimes it's um, what what I call the third degree burns, which is like little takes on stuff. Uh, somebody else called them deep thoughts with Buzz, which I thought was funny. And uh, yeah, I like but, that uh, one. You should yeah. permanently name it that. Yeah, change it to deep thoughts with Buzz. So you know, it's it's not um, we're not going to break any news on there, but um, it's a chance for me to go a little deeper on certain topics from day to day with people that are supporting us with their hard-earned money. And, uh, you know, this podcast is still happening because of the support we get, and the website still happens because of the support we get. So patreon.com slash third degree. It's pretty easy to find. All right, Dan, I apologize. I uh, crapped on your hometown, and I, it's really not the proper time to do it considering you're in last place. So my apologies. I, I'm sorry for that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he took your apologies seriously. He's so sensitive, that damn crook. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, thank you to you both. I appreciate your efforts and time, and I look forward to uh, hearing more from you. And uh, thank you, FC Dallas fan. We will speak to you next time on yet another fun-filled edition of Third Degree, the podcast. Thomas Robbins. Thomas Robbins.